Good morning. As Mike said, isn't it great to be together in person this Easter? Amen? It's great. It is. And last year, you know, we were canceled in person. And I want to share something with you as we get started this morning. 2,000 years ago, they tried to cancel Jesus, but they could not. Amen? Can't do it. Can't do it. Amen. So I want to ask you a question uh, as we begin this morning. Uh, have you ever felt that you just have too much to do in life sometimes? You ever felt that way? You ever felt like there's just too much work, too much business? Have you ever felt like, you know, there's too many chores to do around the house? How about that to-do list? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> I have a helper in the to-do list. I think I'm finished and there's something more to do. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie, you know, if you do this in the home, what does that mean? We have to do this. And because we did this, that means we have to do this. And it seems like you're never finished, you're never done. There's always something else to do. There's things in your life that we just need to realize we're not going to get finished. There's only one person in all of human history that has ever died with their life completely fulfilled and their life mission completed, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Right at the beginning of his ministry, we see in John chapter 4, verse 34, and let me just tell you, today I'm going to share some scriptures this morning that they're some of my favorite scriptures. I'm just going to share some of my favorite scriptures this morning. He said, my will is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. I came to do and I came to finish the work that my father sent me to do and Jesus did exactly that. So we're gonna look at the cross this morning and when he was suffering on the cross, he spoke seven powerful phrases. And we're gonna look at phrase number six this morning. We see it in John chapter 19, verse 28, 29, and 30. We're gonna look at these Three words, powerful phrase. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And so a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said what? It is finished. He wasn't finished because three days later, he rose again. He's alive. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together this morning. And we're going to look at that. So if you would take your Bible or your app, and as I said to the first service, and we had a great crowd in the first service also, and there are several people that came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So let's take the word of God and let's just prepare ourselves to receive what God wants to download into us and put into us this morning. Let's say it together if you would. This is my Bible. This is the word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. 
I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So follow along. Use the app. Uh, there, there's a notebook that we've been handing out. Write some notes. Write some things down. So what was Jesus declaring? What's finished? What is completed? Everyone at the foot of the cross, they really thought he was finished. He was. The Roman soldiers thought he was finished. Those that hated him thought he was finished. His mother thought he was finished. His disciples and followers thought Jesus was absolutely finished. So what was he saying? Well, when you look at the New Testament, as we know, the New Testament was written in Greek, and we look at that phrase, it is finished, three words in the English, one word in the Greek, telestai, telestai, it is finished. And to give us a picture of how that's being said or used, well, we would see a servant would say, the job is completed in that day in the first century. A judge would say, justice has been served. An accountant would say, the debt has been paid in full. An artist would say, the piece of work, the work of art is finished. And a priest would say, the offering has been given. Telestai. They're all metaphors of the cross and what Jesus was saying. So what did he finish exactly? Well, there's 380 prophecies concerning the Savior, the Messiah to come in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And God says, I'm going to send you a Savior and the way that you're going to know that He is genuine, He is true, He is from me, that He is the Savior, He will fulfill all 380 prophecies. And the thing is, Jesus did. Amen? There's 6,000 plus promises in the Word of God. How many think promises sound good? Amen. I, I, come on. I like promises. Promises, that means there's blessings with that from God, 6,000 plus in the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all those promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Every one of them are fulfilled in Christ. So we need to understand some basic things first about God as we look at the cross, what Jesus fulfilled at the cross. First of all, he's a God of laws. Secondly, we see he's a God of justice and fairness, and he's a God of love and forgiveness. He's a God of laws. He's a God of justice and fairness. And he, got, he is a God of love and forgiveness. And all of these were met at the cross when Jesus hung on the cross for you and me. Now, when you say you have laws, how many understand laws are worthless unless there are consequences to that law? If there are no consequences to breaking the law, those laws are worthless. And, and that's why we can appreciate sports, because in hockey, if you commit a penalty, you're going to go to the penalty box and you're off the ice and you've got to sit there for, I like the penalty box. I used to send our boys to the penalty box. You know that? You know, there you go. You're off. You're done. Time out. You know, you're, you're not, you're, you know, so you got to sit in the penalty box for a while. You know, in basketball, you know, you can foul out. You're out of the game. You're not coming back. You know, so there are consequences to breaking the rules. If anyone can break the law and get away with it, well, you would think, well, that's not fair. Well, how many have ever said in life, that's not fair? Come on. 
work with me, people. You're the 11 o'clock service. How many have ever said, that's not fair? It's not fair. We've all done that at times, and we've screamed that at ball games, and we've said that in life. It's not fair. That's not fair. Well, where do we get that idea? Where do you think we got that sense of fairness? I want to tell you, we got that from God. Because we are created in the image of God, so we all have done something at one time or another. We have all broken the rules. We have all broken God's law. The Bible says there's a penalty for that. Come on, we all have. We all have. He says, for we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he says, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Now, that's the bad news. Let's look at the good news this morning. What did Jesus finish for us on the cross? Number one, he paid my penalty and he canceled my debt. God has laws. We've all broken his laws. And God says, someone has to pay. And you know who that someone is? That's you and me. We have to pay. But then God does something that, that is really unexplainable. And we think that it's just too good to be true. But God says, you've broken my laws. You've been rebellious. Someone has to pay. There are consequences. These are legitimate real laws. But he says, the thing is, you don't have to pay and I don't have to pay. I'm going to step in and I'm going to pay. I'm going to take your place. And that's what he did. I'm going to pay your debt myself. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect that Old Testament covenant could not save us because we have a sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent us his son in a human body like ours and gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God did this so that the requirements of the law would be fully accomplished for us. What's the requirements of the law? Fairness and justice. And the good news, fairness and justice, the good news is Jesus Christ died so you wouldn't have to pay for any of your sins. Hallelujah. Anybody here this morning, have you sinned? Yeah. Yeah. That should be every hand in the house of God. Anybody did something that you wish you wouldn't have done? Yeah. Anybody is there something that when you think about what you did in your life, there's something you're ashamed of? Yeah, we always say this, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe I said that, that was wrong, that was bad. You know, so whether you want a great sins, we've all sinned, we've all sinned. Things we wish we wouldn't have done. But we see in Hebrews 9, 15, Christ died to set people free from the penalty of that sin, of their sins they committed under the first covenant. So what that tells us is that the, on the cross of Jesus Christ, we get the death benefits of Jesus Christ. Death benefits are a good thing. How many of you agree with that? We get the death. How many's ever received? And, and I, I don't want to be morbid, but you've received some death benefits from someone that you were close to, that you loved, and there were death benefits because of their death. Yeah. My, my father passed away a year and a half ago. We received some death benefits. But because of Jesus Christ, we receive these kind of death benefits. Amen? Come on. Wow. Death benefits. Here's another one of my favorite scriptures. 
Colossians 2.14 from the Apostle Paul. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus nailed it for you and me. Amen? Tell your neighbor he nailed it. He nailed it. He nailed it to the cross. So I'm asking a lot of questions today. And this is not to expose anybody or rat you out or to say you need a counseling course in finances. It's just true. It's life. Do you have any debt? Any kind of debt? Anybody have any kind of debt? Yeah. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a mortgage? Does anybody have any business debt? Any business? How would you like somebody to pay all of your debt off, pay your mortgage off, and you would be sitting here today totally debt Free. How many would think that's a great thing? Come on, amen. You talk, woo, yeah. You talk about a lively service. You talk about people praising God, getting loud for Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. Jesus paid off everything, everything, everything that we've ever done wrong, everything. And then we see he defeated my fear of death. Our greatest enemy, death. He says, you don't have to fear death anymore. Death is universal. The mortality rate for death, you know what it is? It's 100%. We're all going to die. We're not meant to live here on this planet the way it is forever. We're made to live forever, but not here the way it is forever. We're made to live forever with God. That can be a possibility, but you can't afford And I can't afford to go through life unprepared for something we know is going to take place. It's inevitable from the day that we are born. We know we're facing something in our life. It's called death. The thing is, you don't have to fear death any longer. If, if, if you accept what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. If you accept his love, if you accept his justice, if you accept his forgiveness, if you love him, if you live your life for Jesus Christ, when you face God one day, it's going to be one big welcome home. Let the party begin. Hallelujah. Woo. I want to see you there. I want to see each and every one of you there. That's what we're doing here this morning. Paul also says in chapter 5 of Romans 17, the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. How many would agree with me? There's a lot of fear going on today. There's a lot of fear in our world. There's a lot of fear in America, in our culture. You know, manipulation of fear. Fear controls people. The fear of death. But in Jesus Christ, I know and believe with everything within me, we can say, no fear here. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor that. No fear here. No fear here. No fear here. Hebrews 2.14, Jesus became flesh and blood by being born in human form, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. This is it. When we know, when we know some of the things God has planned for us, we're not afraid. I'm not afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Here's one of my very favorite scriptures, John 14. Jesus, they have the Passover meal. 
He begins to prepare his disciples. They're going to go to the garden. He's going to be arrested before his crucifixion. What does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He's getting your place ready right now in heaven. How many people believe that? Come on, that's the word of God. You believe that today. I see some church family. They're back from Florida. They're suntan. Florida is a great place, but it's not heaven. Let me tell you that right now. I'm laughing at myself. This is an honest typo, and I didn't catch it to correct it. He's going there to prepare a palace for you. I think that works, don't you? Come on, that works. Can you imagine what you live here? It may be a nice place. Does it compare to heaven? He's been getting ready your place in heaven for 2,000 years. It took God only six days to create this earth. How special is your place going to be in heaven? You talk about dimensions. We live in three dimensions. There's going to be unlimited dimensions in heaven. You talk about colors. There's colors we're going to see and experience in heaven that we've never, ever, ever seen in this life. I, I wonder, are we going to be able to touch color and feel color and smell color? Oh, that's blue, that's green, that's yellow. Oh, we're going to smell. I don't know. I'm just thinking of that right now. Who knows? <laughs> dimensions we've never lived in. What we're going to experience in heaven. It's incredible. That's why he tells us in his word, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, or entered into the heart of man, the imagination of man, what God has prepared for those that love him. Well, get ready. And then what did Jesus finish for us on the cross? Let's look at this one, number three. He broke Satan's power to mess up my life. Amen? He broke Satan's power to mess up your life. Let's look at this testimony, video testimony from Jonathan, our family life pastor. And he's just going to share his story when Jesus became alive for him. Hey, Morningstar family. My name is Jonathan Cavallari, and I'm the family life pastor here. And this is my story. Growing up, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid. My parents planted a church when we were very young, and I'm the oldest of six. And in that time, we were involved in everyday church life. Our Sundays would start around 6.30 in the morning. We'd arrive at the church and get set up, and we'd have to do everything from setting up kids' rooms to setting up the worship stage, the soundboard, all the way through running services and everything. By the time those services finished and everything was cleaned up and torn down, it usually was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So I, I say all that to say that I grew up in church all of my life. And just because I grew up in church doesn't mean I really knew who Jesus was. And, and that is part of my story. I remember even being at my parents' church one day, uh, a life-changing thing that took place. I was taking out the trash there. And during that time, I got lured into a fight with some kids and, and I just remember one of them grabbing me from the back, holding my arms back while others just started well on me simply for the fact that we were there. And you know what? That, that greatly impacted me to the degree that I decided I would never let that happen again. And 
you know, jumping forward, I got into the world of lifting and bodybuilding. I was strong. I, I, I really, I spent four hours a day in the gym. I was benching 365 pounds. I was squatting a ton. And, and I built this armor around myself through anger, through hate. And it was pretty intoxicating, if I could be honest about that. Because I thought strength commanded respect. Strength commanded fear. People wouldn't mess with you anymore. And, and I really created this idol out of myself. And this time, as I started getting into fights with people, they were the ones walking away beaten up. And you know what? I continued in this lifestyle. I got involved in parties and, and with women and, and everything became about self. And, and God started to work in my life. One day I was in an accident and I lost the use of my right arm. And as a young man, I was devastated because here I am, I just got my license as a trainer. You know, and, and, and then I feel like that was taken away from me. Uh, the relationship I was with at the time, that began to fall apart. I lost my job and had to go on disability. And, and on top of that, you know, I had a car breakdown and, and I just felt like my whole life was swept, uh, or the rug was pulled out from under my feet. And God really began to work on me. I felt devastated. And I, everything I had worked hard to do, this image that I created in my life, this idol that I created on myself, God broke it down in a moment. And I'd like to tell you right then and there, that changed my life, but it didn't. I continued to get involved with parties and, and, and go after women, and, and, but it was never filling. So down the road, I, I had already met with doctors. They said that they could do surgery and try to restore my arm and try to restore my shoulder. And I left devastated because they didn't give me much hope. In fact, they were telling me there's only about a 10% chance that if we operate, you'd have full use of your arm again. And, and what I mean by that is my arm literally sat in a limp. It was in pain all the time. If we even put a toothbrush in my hand, I would feel pain jolt from fingers all the way up to my shoulder. And, and it was devastating. So I remember just one day I was sitting in my parents' church. This was in the middle of worship. I had not been serving God or following after God. But I remember sitting there and I said, Lord, I know my life doesn't match this book. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you love me. But I said, God, if you would give me the use of my arm again, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And you know, in that moment, God touched me. And it felt like a shirt was coming off my shoulder and off my sleeve. All of a sudden, my arm pops up. I'm in tears crying. People in the church are freaking out like because they just saw God move in such a sovereign way. And, and, and not only was I excited, but I was overwhelmed. It was a moment that God made himself real to me. And I know not everybody has those crazy divine counters. But God speaks to all of us in different ways, whether it's through the Bible, through answered prayer, or through people. And you know what? There's one other thing I want to leave you with this Easter is that even though I said, Lord, I'd serve you the rest of my life and God answered that, God even to this day is continuing to grow me and change me. Recently, I shared with Pastor John how God even revealed to me in himself, you know, Jonathan, you've, you've been treating our relationship like a master servant. And though that is real, you know, God is in charge. He's Lord, he's Savior. But he also says, I'm a father and you're a son to me. And that totally changed my world. You know, because I don't serve God out of duty or obligation or because God answered that prayer. I get to serve God because of my relationship to Him. I get to be in ministry. We get to be in ministry because God is a father to us. 
And so this Easter, I want to encourage you that the same God who changed my life, he healed my shoulder in a divine way, that's the same Jesus we read about in scripture. And it's still the same Jesus we worship today. We don't we don't worship a dead God. We don't worship a religious philosophy or a way of life. We worship the risen Lord who heals, who saves, who's above every disease, who's above COVID, who's above every difficulty you're going through. And that Jesus wants to step into your life today. And so we at Morningstar, we want to wish you a happy Easter as we get ready to worship the risen Lord. Amen. 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 See, Jesus, Jesus breaks the devil's power to mess up your life. And we know life can be hard at times, challenging, difficult. Do you ever feel sometimes that there's just a battle taking place in your life? Do you ever feel like there's a war going on in your life? Yeah. I want to tell you, if you do, there is. There is. You're a child of God. There's a battle. There's a war. There's a battle between God and Satan and good and evil and black and white, darkness and light. There's a battle taking place. You see, the devil has power. How many know that? But God has authority, and authority always trumps power. Amen? Amen. He has all authority, all authority. Don't forget this. Satan hates everything that God has created. Everything God creates, Satan hates. Anything. He's a wannabe. He's not a creator. He's a created being. His name was Lucifer, and he was an angel in heaven, and he led the worship of heaven, and pride rose up, and sin rose up, and rebellion rose up, and he was kicked out of heaven. And all he is, he's not a creator. He's a liar. What that means, he's the father of lies. He's the originator of lies. He is the originator of chaos, the originator of confusion. He is a destroyer and a perverter, and he misuses everything that God has created. This includes, most of all, you and you and you and you. I, I want to say this. He is the author of chaos and confusion. He's a liar. So that's why we think the way we think sometimes. And we doubt and we're confused. And God, is that you? And God, is that you? And God, I'm not sure if you exist and I'm not sure you're real. Where do you think that comes from? The enemy, he's a liar, amen? And I'm gonna say this in love. He, he, he's the originator of sin. Confusion lies, chaos. That's why we are confused many times about who we are, our identity, and our gender because he is the author of confusion and chaos. We are created in the image of God, by God and for God. You're God's highest creation and the enemy hates you and he thinks he can hurt the heart of God by coming after you. But our God trumps his power. Amen. 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 For Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm getting ready to wrap this up. Oh, hallelujah. Two quick truths. Because of the cross, I can. I haven't always, 
but he helps me if I will depend on him. And when I haven't depended on him and realize this truth, but I can resist this thing called temptation. Anybody dealt with that thing, temptation out there? Anybody deal? Come on now, work with me. I said, how many's ever had to face temptation? Temptation's not ugly. It's attractive. It's appealing. It's enticing. How about that? He says, how about this? Why not do this? Why not look over here? Why not go there? Why not taste this? Why not be involved in this? What about him? What about her? Temptation. And the thing is, well, we have help. Amen? How many's noticed that when you begin to depend upon the Lord, the scripture becomes true? And the thing I was struggling with over here, I get victory over here. And I'm growing and I'm maturing. And I get victory over this. And I get victory over this. And I'm sinning less and less and less. How many know what I'm talking about? But here's the truth. There is no temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, can overtake you. God will enable you to handle it and also give you a way out, a way of escape. Praise God. Amen. But the thing is, there's been times I haven't resisted temptation. And when I've fallen and given in, that's not a good feeling. And then Satan brings in a second weapon. How many's experienced this? Condemnation. Condemnation. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. What kind of person are you? Is that something? He shows it to you, he brings it to you, and then we fall for it. He says, I can't believe you did that. Oh, Christians don't do that. Men of God don't do that. Women of God don't do that. I can't believe you're doing I can't believe you did that. Oh, that's terrible. And so we fall in this thing called condemnation. But I'm so thankful that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? He says there's now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And then this is the last one, the best one. He guarantees my salvation. He guaranteed my salvation. Jesus' resurrection seals the deal. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, seals the deal. He's not in the grave. He's not dead. What did he say? John 2, 19, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Luke 24, 5 and 6, the women came to the tomb. They were despondent, discouraged. They were hopeless. Their hope had died on the cross. He was finished. It was over. They believed it in their heart. They were just going to the tomb to prepare the body properly for burial. They weren't able to do that. They had to stop because of the Passover, because of the Sabbath. And they get to the tomb, and the angel says to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Amen? Amen. Amen. He was seen by the woman, seen by the 11. And as, and as Mike said earlier, there are historians outside of the reliable word of God, but historians from the first century, Josephus being one, that said he was seen by over 500 people at one time. He's alive that seals and guarantees your salvation. And then I like Peter in Acts 2.24, 50 days after this on the Feast of Pentecost, they spent 10 days at the instruction of Jesus, go to the upper room and pray, seek me, worship, and I'm gonna send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. They didn't really know what to expect, and you're gonna receive power. 
You're going to be in my presence. This Peter who had denied Christ and failed miserably. We're going to talk about Peter next week. What's it like to fail? What do you do when you fail? He stands up and he preaches. And he says with boldness and authority when he was so afraid before, I'll never deny you. Can you imagine the shame and guilt he felt? The piercing eyes of Jesus, that's all he could see. But he stands up now full of the Holy Spirit. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. Jesus is alive. That's a game changer. Changes everything this morning. He said in Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys. I have authority over death and hell and the grave. Oh, they tried to cancel him, but you can't cancel Jesus. I'm going to close. This is poetic. These are words from, from a great song. If I could sing, I would sing it for you. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing it for you. I want you to appreciate this and receive this. You ever notice sometimes when you're alone at home and you're singing, you lie to yourself and tell yourself that you can sing? Yeah. Hey, I think I can sing. I can really sing. And then I think my dog has a good ear. He looks at me and says, don't kid yourself, you can't sing. I know that look in his eye. He's just telling me, no, I, I love you, I'm with you always, but I, 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 the reason I'm not running out of the room, you know, I'm your dog, but you can't sing. I know that's what he's thinking when he's looking at me. You just can't sing. Here it is. We're gonna close with this. I'm gonna give some of you an opportunity of a lifetime, and that's what it is, because right now you're not sure do I really know this Jesus? What he did for me on the cross, is that really real for me? It can be. You can be sure. I was taking a trip on a plane the other day, just wishing that I could get out. When the man next to me saw the book in my hand and asked me, what's it all about? So I settled back in my seat, a bestseller, I said, a history of mystery in one. And then I opened up the book and began to read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. Angels gathered around him underneath the stars singing praises to the great I Am. He walked on the water and he healed the lame and made the blind to see again. And for the first time here on earth, we learned that God could be a friend. And though he never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. And then he walked down the road and died on the cross, and that was the end of the beginning. That's not a new book, that's the Bible he said. I've heard it all before. I've tried religion, it's guilt and it's shame. I'm done with it, I don't want it anymore. It's superstition made up tales and just to help the weak survive. Let me read it again, I said, listen carefully, because it's gonna change your life. He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. Angels gathered around him underneath the stars singing praises to the great I Am. He walked on water and he healed the lame and made the blind to see again. And for the first time here on earth, 
we learned that God could be our friend. And though he never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. Then he walked down the road and died on the cross. And that was the end of the beginning. And he said with a smile, what more could there be? He's dead. He said they hung him, put nails in his hands, crown of thorns on his head. I said, I'll read it again. But this time there's more. And I believe that this is true. His death wasn't the end, the beginning of life that's completed in you. Don't you see he did all this for you? He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. All the angels singing praises to the great I am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, and made the blind to see again. And for the first time here on earth, did you know that God could be your friend, though he never ever did a single thing wrong? He was the one the crowd chose. Then he walked and he died, but three days later, he rose. Three days later, he rose, hallelujah. You see, he came, he lived, and he died. But that was the end of the beginning. It's just the beginning. We're going forever, church, amen? Let's stand together this morning. If you're part of the prayer team, would you come? Nothing else remains for what I've been talking about the last few minutes become so true in a reality in your life. Jesus has done everything. He said, it's finished, it's finished. The only thing yet to make this real for you is your part, your choice. We're going to pray with you at the end of the service here. After we sing, if you have any other need, I believe that Jesus can rise from the dead. He can meet the needs in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. So here's the opportunity of a lifetime. You know right now in your heart of hearts, I really don't know Jesus. I'm not living for Jesus. When I stand before him someday, it's not going to be welcome home, let the party begin. I want that to be true for me. All you have to do is just raise your hand and say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I want you. I want to start this journey with you right now. Raise your hand if that's where you're at this morning. Don't let this pass you by. I'm going to take a moment. Like I said, there's three or four in the first service, so I don't want to rush it. Sometimes I think I have. And I don't want to prolong it and try to get you to doubt your salvation where you're not sure at all. And then you say, oh, i got to get saved. No because it's scary. Thank you. There's somebody in the back. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. And God bless you. I think you're serious because you moved around so I could see you. So we're going to pray together. So this person is welcome into the family of God this morning. Amen. Amen. There's a card there in the seat. After we pray this prayer, give it to one of us up here or out at the new here back there. We want to help you walk with the Lord. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your perfect plan and your great love for me. I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Oh, Jesus, thank you for taking my sin and my punishment at the cross. Right now, I ask you to forgive me 
Take away my sin. Take away everything. I want you to come into my life. And from this day forward, I want to live for you and live life with you. I ask this in the name of my new Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.